0: good morning what a blessing and a privilege it is uh, to be here in the house of God in the presence of God uh, in the midst of his people our brothers and sisters in Christ the family of God the Saints Uh, we are indeed privileged to be able to come before God every week uh, to worship him in this manner we are acknowledging Uh, That we have submitted our lives to His will. Just by gathering here this morning, just by carving out this time and coming together, we are saying to the world and saying to each other, we honor God and we value His will and we want to follow His word. That's why you're here this morning. Because you respect God, you love God, and you want to do your very best to be the person that He wants you to be. And no matter who you are, if you're a member, a long-time member or regular or visitor, we're really thankful uh, that you're here today. And if you're a visitor, we want you to give us an opportunity to uh, get to know you a little bit. So stick around a little while afterwards and let us greet you and welcome you because you are our honored guest. I think it's safe to say that we all love to envision the future We long for a bright future. We want uh, an image of the future that is better than the present, better than the past. We want to imagine often what a perfect world would be like. Take, for instance, all of the presidential campaign slogans that you have heard through the years. Candidates for president in our country. Always want voters to imagine the world if they were elected. Just take a glimpse into the future and see how good it would be if you elect me to this office, they say. Listen to some of these aspirational slogans. Getting people, trying to get people to look into the future. Hooray, hooray, the country's rising. Vote for Clay and Freeling Heisen. That was... Henry Clay in 1844. And I'm assuming that Freeling Heisen was uh, his running mate with a very unfortunate last name. They had to come up with a little rhyme to help people remember it. What about this one from 1868? Ulysses S. Grant. Let us have peace. After the Civil War, Grant, a general in that war, and now he's saying, let's gaze into the future, let's create a world in which there's peace. 1900, William McKinley, four more years of the full dinner pail. Under my watch, there will be abundance. You will not lack for food. Similar statement in 1928, Herbert Hoover, his campaign slogan was, a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. That's how he wanted Americans to envision the future. Happy days are here again, proclaimed Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1932. And this was the slogan in 1956 for Dwight D. Eisenhower's campaign. Peace and prosperity. Just, just imagine what the world would be like. A more peaceful and prosperous world if I'm elected, he would say. We can do better, John F. Kennedy proclaimed in 1960. And it was Ronald Reagan in '84 who said, It's morning again in America. Some of the most powerful speeches that we've ever heard, well, they stir our imaginations about the future. See if these words ring a bell. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day in the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will no longer be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today, said Martin Luther King Jr. What a vision. What a vision that he cast. He got his audience to think about the future. However, the vision of the future to beat all visions of the future occurs in Micah chapter 4. And I don't have the text up here for you this morning. And so you're going to need your Bible. You're going to need to pull out uh, a Bible from the rack in front of you or pull out your own Bible or I give you permission to use your phone as long as you stay on the Bible app. And go with me to the Old Testament book of Micah. Open it up to chapter 4. We're going to be looking at the first five verses this morning of this vision that God communicates to. Through his man Micah to the people of Judah. It begins in verse 1. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it, and many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways and that we may walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Verse 4. They shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. And no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God. But we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. What a vision. Cast by the Lord through his prophet Micah to the nation of Judah, his people in the Old Testament. As we read that stunning vision, did you notice what all it entails? I noticed in verse 1 that in this vision, the Lord is the focal point for all people, the mountain where he dwells. It is higher than all the other mountains and hills all over the face of the earth. I noticed in verse 2 that in this vision, Many, many people will desire to follow the ways of the Lord. Isn't that something we would love to see in our country, in our world today? People who say, as they do in this vision, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord that he may teach us his ways. Don't we long to hear that same desire for people to know the will of God today? Do we have that desire to know the will of God? Do we want God to teach us his ways like the people do in this vision? I notice in verse. Three, that in this vision, people dwell in peace and there's no more war between nations. Don't we long for a world in which there is no more war? No more need to go overseas and fight? No more death in battles and conflicts? In this vision, there is only peace between all peoples. In this vision, No one shall fear their neighbor. Verse 4, the people shall not fear one another anymore. And yet, in our world today, there's so much fear that is fostered, not only between people in our country, but between us and other nations all over the globe. And then I notice in verse 5, in this vision, the people belonging to the Lord will be eternally committed to walking in His name. The vision says we will walk, the people commit to God, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God Forever and ever, endlessly, into infinity. Wow. What a vision. What a vision of the future that we find here in the Scriptures, in this prophetic book, in Micah chapter 4. And if a politician or a public leader came forward and promised a vision like that, what would we say? We'd call him crazy. That person is out of his mind. There's no way that he could ever or she could ever create a world like that. They're dreaming. They are living in a fantasy land, we would say. And certainly, truly, no human could ever deliver on this. No human could ever manufacture a world in which this is happening. But no human promised this. God promises this. This is God's vision for His world. This is God's vision. For the future. And so, whereas a human could not bring this about, God can. And God says, I am the one who can inaugurate this future. I am the one who will bring this vision and make it a reality. What makes this vision all the more remarkable to me is its timing, the time in which it was placed in the minds of God's people. It is delivered as Judah faces divine punishment for their sins. Now, we're in a series right now talking about three of the minor prophets. We've talked about Amos, and we've talked about Hosea. Now we've moved on to Micah. Amos and Hosea, they prophesied up in Israel, and they warned the Israelites that they would soon face punishment, and they would face God's discipline by the hands of the Assyrians. They faced Assyrian invasion. Now we've moved down to the south. Now we're in Judah. The kingdom, of course, at this time was divided. And Micah has been called as a prophet to spread God's word to people in Judah. And in fact, during Micah's ministry, the northern kingdom is overthrown. It is during his preaching that the Assyrians come in and they take over Israel. And Micah is beginning to warn Judah that the same thing is going to happen to you because of your sins. Because of your disobedience. Because of your rebellion. Micah delivers a message that Judah is going to face divine punishment for their sins just like Israel. And so, the nation is bracing for turmoil and in the midst of looking ahead at the near future, at this enemy that will soon invade and they are instruments of God's punishment, we get this vision. In Micah 4, a vision not of the near future, but of the distant future. A vision of the latter days. When we humans experience difficulty, as Judah was experiencing, that's when, on our own, we're unable to envision a brighter future. Yeah, we may have some positive thoughts and some wishful thinking, but we can't generate true hope of the future, when we're in the pit of despair, when we're experiencing great challenges and difficulties. It's hard for people in our nation right now to envision a bright future. There are a lot of people who are scared. There are a lot of people who are down and out over the state of our nation and over what they believe the future will hold. And it's difficult for us to see Beyond that, it's difficult for us, and we can't on our own develop a vision, a bright vision of the future, but thankfully, God can. In the midst of great difficulty, we on our own are unable to develop a vision of the future. And yet, those are the times when we need a hopeful vision the most. In the 1930s, Walt Disney wanted to do something that had never been done before. He wanted to create a feature length animated movie. And this project that he undertook, along with his studio, was more difficult than they could have ever imagined. It was a really difficult project. Uh, They had to hire a lot of extra workers, they had to rent extra buildings for all the animators. It went way over budget. Uh, there were difficulties along the way with the animation. It was painstaking. It was time-consuming. Uh, the budget problems—they gave Walt's brother Roy a whole lot of heartache because uh, he was the um, he was the accountant for the whole operation, and he had the Bank of America guys breathing down his neck. They were at the studio almost every day, wondering when the loans would be paid. And a lot of people, both in, inside and outside the studio, began to doubt that this thing was ever going to happen. They began to doubt Walt Disney, and a lot of people began to call this project Disney's folly. A lot of um, employees said during this time that in the halls of the studio, Walt Disney, he'd pull people aside and he would corner them in the hallways and he would tell them again the story of Snow White. This was the movie that they were working on. He would go through the story from start to finish and he would tell all kinds of people, he would tell the story over and over again to remind people of the project they were working on. To energize them in the midst of great difficulty and doubt, Walt kept his vision alive. And that is when we need a vision of the future the most. Micah in our text offers some clues about when this vision will come to pass. If you fast forward a bit and go into Micah chapter 5. Look with me there in verse 2. He says, in speaking of this vision. But you, O Bethlehem of Fratha, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient, days who is micah talking about here who is this ruler of whom he speaks this ruler who was to come out of bethlehem you know who it is i know who it is it is jesus the christ the son of god and micah in this verse reveals to us that this is a vision of what the world would look like If everybody acknowledged Christ as Lord, this is what the world would be like. And this is a vision of what the new heaven and earth will look like when every tongue will confess and every knee shall bow before Jesus Christ as their Lord, as Paul talks about in Philippians 2, verse 11. This is a vision that is centered on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we're waiting on the fullness of that to come when Jesus shall return in glory. And as we wait, we have a job to do. Our job as Christians is to live as if the fullness of this vision has come to pass. We're still waiting on it. We're still waiting on a world like this to exist. As you know, it doesn't exist in our current world. And we know that it will only exist in fullness after Jesus returns. But we are to act like it already does. We are to live like God has already brought this vision about in in the here and now. Even though God is the only one who can and who will bring about this glorious future that we read about in Micah, we still have a role to play. And our role is to provide a glimpse of this vision to the people around us by the way that we live. The world, as we've already said, the world is down and out. Over the way things are. Don't we need a vision. Of the future. Like never before. Don't we need a glimpse. Into the way things can be. And will be. Not by the power of any political leader. Or human figure. But by the power of God. People are depressed. And they're scared. And they're anxious. And it's up to us. As God's people. As Christians. To show them. Not the way things are. But the way things are can be i think about another of martin luther king jr's speeches his second most famous speech was given on the eve of his assassination memphis tennessee 1968 it's been called the i see the promised land speech and in it he imagined god asking him this question martin if i allowed you to live in any time period of history that you would like what period would you choose And King answered, I would want to live in this present time. But why this time? The world is all messed up. The nation is sick. And King's response was this, only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. It is our job to point beyond the darkness of our current age so that people can see the mighty work that God is doing in our midst, and the mighty work that He will do in the future. Now, you think this is too big a task? Well, let's make it a little more manageable. Here's a good place to start, in my opinion. I think that catching God's vision for the future that is revealed here in Micah chapter 4 and in other places throughout uh, the Scriptures, catching His vision for the future starts with catching His vision for this church. Yes, we face difficult challenges in the 21st century in this country. We are fully aware that our country is moving away from a desire to know God's will, from Christianity as a whole. We know that we are facing an uphill battle. We are swimming against the stream. But the whole point of Micah chapter 4 is not so that we can trust in our own ability and in our own strength and in our Ability to bring about a future on our own. This is a future that God brings about. And so by God's power, our congregation can grow healthier. I was with Dr. Gary Bradley this last week at a preacher's meeting, and he is the longtime minister of the Mayfair Church of Christ in Huntsville, which is a 2,000-member congregation. And he said, Long ago, I used to talk about making the church grow, helping the church to grow. And I don't use that language anymore. He says, instead, I like to talk about making the church healthier. What can we do to make our congregations healthier? Because when you get healthier, that's when you grow. But if you talk about growth before health, that's putting the cart before the horse. Do you believe that our congregation can begin to demonstrate what this future looks like to the world around us in the here and now? Do you believe that this congregation can be healthier and more prosperous tomorrow than it is today or yesterday? Do you believe that our future is better than our past? Imagine, uh, let's line our church up against the vision that is set forth in Micah chapter 4. Imagine a church with God at the center of everything we do. Our focus is solely on God, almighty, all-powerful God and His will for our lives. And for the whole world. A church solely focused and transfixed on our God, the God of the universe. Imagine a church where more and more people desire to follow His will. We've been blessed with families who have come our way and placed membership, but there's still so much work to do. There's so many people in our community that need to hear the gospel. And don't you long for our church to be similar to this vision in Micah chapter 4, where more and more people are flooding to the Lord because they want to learn of God's ways? They want God to teach them. Is that what you want for the future of this church? Imagine a church, this church, where there is more peace and more harmony. We are blessed with the spirit of peace, a spirit of unity in this place, but there's always room for growth and we can experience this in even greater ways going forward. Peace and harmony. A church where we love our neighbors instead of fear them. The people in our community who need to hear the gospel, they need us to love them. Not to be afraid of them. No matter who they are, matter what kind of homes they come out of no matter what their background is there doesn't need to be fear there needs to be love imagine a church where members hearts are set on eternity where our focus is not on the here and now and not satisfying our desires for the here and now, but we are focused on living with God forever. We've got our eyes and our hearts set on eternity. Have you caught the vision for what this congregation can be? Can you see it? And are you helping God bring it about? One of my professors tells how in 1962, his parents, they bought a piece of property in northern Colorado. And over the next 25 years, they tore down and they built and they planted and they irrigated and they Transform that piece of land into a beautiful little farm. And his dad, who has been totally blind all his adult life, he had a vision of what that piece of property could become. And my professor recalls many evenings around the supper table, listening to his dad talking about the next phase of building the farm. He had already envisioned it, he'd already created it in his mind. And that vision of what the farm could become, it sustained that family through the toils and the difficulties until it became a reality. Though his dad never saw the farm that he and his wife built, he had a better picture of it than anyone else. In the midst of a lot of challenges along the way, he had vision. This morning, I want you to make a commitment to demonstrate God's grand vision for this world in your lifestyle, in the everyday small decisions that you make, commit to showing the world that there can be a better future. And show them what that looks like. Give them a glimpse of the glorious future that God has in store, uh, not only in this time, but in the time to come. More than ever, the people around us need to catch God's vision of a Christ-centered world. More than ever, they need to be able to look beyond the darkness into the light that Christ can bring. And every little act of righteousness can help them to see God's vision. Robert J. Morgan tells the story of a Sunday school class. It was four and five-year-olds, and a little boy named Josh came to visit the class. Josh was handicapped. He only had one arm. He was born that way. Well, the teacher, because he was a visitor, she didn't have time to ask him about his condition or talk to her students about it. And so she was very nervous through the whole lesson that one of her students would say something insensitive to Josh and hurt his feelings. And so she carefully proceeded throughout the lesson and when it came time uh, for the class to be over. She said, okay class, let's do what we do at the end of every class. Let's make our churches. And so with her hands folded, she said, here is the church and here is the steeple and look inside and see all the... And she was met with the awful truth that she had done what she had feared her students would do and make Josh feel awkward about his Position. She was mortified. But about that time, a little girl in the class, she took her hand and she put it up to the only hand that Josh had. And she said, let's make the church together. In that one small gesture, she provided a glimpse of God's glorious future. In that one small act, he provides for us a preview of what God wants to make our world into. And that's what we can do day in and day out. Through the everyday choices and words and decisions, we can show people that God's got something better planned for His people than what they're currently experiencing. If you want to get in on this vision, if you want to be a part of this glorious future we want to challenge you to come and take the plunge this morning. We've got water behind us and it's warm and it's ready for you to be immersed into it for the forgiveness of your sins, only to come up a new creature ready to walk in newness of life and follow God throughout the rest of your life and into eternity. He affords all of this this opportunity for us to be a part of his family. He has laid that offer on the table. Because He loves us and He wants us to share a relationship with Him forever. If you haven't taken advantage of that, or if you need prayers for any reason, this is the time in which we invite you to come and to make any spiritual need known that you may have. Would you do that while we stand and sing together?